Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Deacon Cast. I'm your host, Deacon Bill O'Donnell. And to this episode, we're going to explore the third part of our Understanding the Mass series. And we will finish out talking about the Liturgy of the Word. In our last part of the series, we left off at the, second, at the end of the second reading. And now we come to the Gospel Acclamation. And this marks the beginning of the high point in the Liturgy of the Word, which is the proclamation of the Gospel. You see, the Gospel contains the words of Jesus, who is the Word of God made flesh. And so it is given a special reverence. We greet it with the Alleluia. We stand to show that we are receptive and paying attention. And the deacon asks for a blessing from the priest. This blessing is a reminder that our authority to proclaim the gospel flows from the bishop. If the bishop is the celebrant and a priest is to proclaim the gospel, he will ask the blessing of the bishop. The book of the gospels, which is a little different than the lectionary, it's actually a book that contains uh, strictly the gospels, uh, but in an orderly fashion so that they match up with the lectionary. This book of the Gospels is taken from the altar or another place of importance and is lifted above the head of the deacon or the priest if there is no deacon present for everyone to see. It proceeds to the ambo with special reverence. It might be attended by altar servers with candles and on very special occasions with incense. The deacon or the priest greets the standing congregation the same greeting we heard at the beginning of Mass, praying that the Lord be with you, the hearers. The response of the people is a blessing on the reader. The deacon or priest announces which gospel we are hearing, while at the same time tracing the sign of the cross on the gospel reading. The re- response of the people is an acclamation of, Glory to you, O Lord. As we make this response, all present trace a small cross on their forehead, signifying a desire that the gospel be accepted in our minds. Another small cross is traced on our lips. It is a prayer that we might be found worthy to proclaim the gospel with our own lips. And we trace a small cross on our heart, signifying the desire for the gospel to penetrate our hearts and change them into the heart of Christ. All of this takes place before even the first word of the gospel is spoken. Now is a good time to stop and clarify a few things. Outside of Lent, the Alleluia is sung. During Lent, we don't use the Alleluia. In fact, we avoid the word Alleluia until the Easter Vigil. So during Lent, another approved acclamation is sung. Alleluia in Hebrew means praise to you, Lord. It is sung before and after the scripture passage that precedes the gospel. The Alleluia is an acclamation of God's presence in the sacred scriptures, particularly in the gospel, which immediately follows. The gospel reading is taken from one of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which portray the life of Christ. 
all of Jesus' life, ministry, miracles, parables, sayings, compassion, and mercy are all presented in the gospel narrative. In the gospel, we have a God who relates to us and heals, forgives, loves, and saves us. The gospel should give us much food for thought in our daily lives as we strive to be Christ's disciples. The church has a liturgical cycle for all of the readings. Each cycle begins on the first Sunday of Advent and continues for the entire year. In cycle A, we hear the Gospel of Matthew proclaimed. Mark's Gospel is proclaimed in cycle B. Cycle C is given to the Gospel according to Luke. John's Gospel is heard primarily at weekday Masses during all cycles. It makes an appearance here and there on the Sundays during all three cycles, but during cycle B we hear a little bit more of it as it fills in because Mark's Gospel is really too short for the entire year. The Gospel is always proclaimed by a deacon if one is present. This is because at a deacon's ordination, the bishop presents the book of the Gospels to him with this instruction. Receive the Gospel of Christ, whose herald you now are. Believe what you read, teach what you believe, and practice what you teach. If there is a priest or priest can celebrating the Mass, and no deacon is present, then a priest other than the celebrant should proclaim the Gospel. The Gospel ends with the exclamation, the Gospel of the Lord, and our response is praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. After the acknowledgement by the people, the one who proclaims the Gospel references the book with a kiss and offers one of many silent prayers said during the Mass. He prays, May the words of the Gospel wipe away my sins. If the bishop is the presider, then it is customary for the one who proclaims the gospel to take the book of the gospels to the bishop so that he might be the one who reverences it. This is again a visible sign to all that the teaching authority is in the bishop. After the gospel, we come to the homily. This has also been called a sermon, however, it is not a sermon. A sermon may be preached on any topic and may be supported by scripture, but a homily is always connected to the readings of that Mass. The bishop may, for good reason, permit a sermon to be given by a layperson or a member of a religious order, but a homily may only be given by one who has received the sacrament of holy orders, deacon, priest, or bishop. The word homily means conversation with the people. The homily is meant to explain the scriptures, the readings, all of them, and the gospel of the day, and to make practical applications and connection to daily Christian living. The homily is preached and challenges the faithful to be active participants in the word of God and true witnesses to the message of Jesus. A homily should nourish our life of faith and challenge us to grow in holiness, charity, and love. 
As Christ is present at the liturgy of the word, the homily should be the breaking open of that word. Following the homily, we observe a moment or two of sacred silence so that the word proclaimed and the word broken open might resonate in our individual hearts. Following this silence, we all stand and profess aloud what it is that we believe by reciting the Nicene Creed. This is a creed that was formulated at the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD. The Apostles' Creed, which is older than the Nicene Creed, may be used at a Mass that is primarily for young children. The Nicene Creed expresses our basic Catholic beliefs and enables the faithful to renew their faith and their baptismal commitment. I will do a future podcast uh, that will address specifically the Creed. After the Creed, we gather the prayers of the Church and of our community and present them to God during the general intercessions, more commonly called the prayer of the faithful. The celebrant opens the petitions with gathering prayer, reminding us of God's mercy and willingness to hear our prayer. Because the deacon is responsible for knowing the needs of the people of God, the liturgical norms call for the deacon to announce the petitions at Mass. However, if there is no deacon, this might be done by the the lector or another layperson, or perhaps the celebrant. This is the point in the liturgy of the Word that we are reminded of our dependence on God and of God's goodness and love for us. The intercessions commend the needs of the church, the world, and the local community to God's care. This is also a time to pray for our own personal needs and intentions in the silence of our hearts. The celebrant gathers these petitions together in a prayer of offering and thanksgiving, to which we all respond, Amen. And with this, the liturgy of the word comes to end, and we move into the other major portion of the Mass, the liturgy of the Eucharist. And that is where we will pick up on our next installment of the Deacon Cast's Understanding the Mass series. This is Deacon Bill. Shalom, and until we meet again, peace with you.